welcome, welcome, welcome. This is According to Kels. This is episode 168. And today we're going to talk about why method matters. Yes, there is something to be said for winning. I think all too often those on the right side of the aisle are content to lose so long as they get to hmm, look clean. But if you keep losing, are you actually accomplishing anything? Can you fight and fight clean? That is kind of what we need to talk about. So, the first thing that I want to touch base on is the idea behind winning at all costs. In other words, what are you going to be willing to sacrifice in order to win? This is the challenge. I mean, just as an example, in World War II, we had to pair up with the Soviets, which in many ways were as bad or worse than the Nazis. Yet we did it anyway. Some would say that the results were actually worse by doing so, but be that as it may, we had to make a decision of how to deal with the lesser of the two evils at the time. That's what we perceived. Now, granted, the people that were making most of those decisions were largely closeted communists in the first place. There should be really no surprises which uh, side we chose. And before some of you get too terribly upset, I am not suggesting in any way, shape, or form that siding with the Nazis was a better option. Uh, although I would suggest to you that there were a good number of leadership in our country at that time that would have thought just that. And I'm not sure if that's more because they hated the Nazis less than they hated the uh, Soviets or if they really weren't bothered with some of the things that he was advocating. But be that as it may, again, winning at all costs. That is also the lead into what is called a firing victory, a victory that costs you so much that you become incapable of winning or fighting beyond that. So we don't want that either. And as we pivot out of that, right? So we've decided that winning at all costs is not the direction we want to go. And lose honorably seems to be the other side of that, right? But if you're willing to lose, right? If you're, if you're willing just to put up a strategic withdrawal, if you're willing to just say, but I dare you to cross this line. Oh, well, well I dare you to cross this line. Are you really actually putting up a fight? Are you really defending anything? Are you serving a purpose, even rhetorically, in claiming that? And this is where I think is my biggest hang-up with conservatives in general, is that no sooner they lose a battle, they just dust their uh, jacket off and walk away. The left never retreats from a battle. Even if they were to get decimated, they show up the next day. And that's why they keep beating us down. And just because five people in a robe decide that something's okay doesn't make it okay. That's when we're supposed to double down. That's when we're supposed to use the methods at our disposal to fight back. And that's why I really get discouraged when they just, oh, well, we lost. 
We must maintain our honor at all costs and walk away. Well, no, 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 no. That's, that's just as bad, if not worse than winning at all costs. What good does it do to just (laughs) cave in, walk away all the time? You're a paper tiger and our lefty friends know it. We cease to put forth an effective fight when we won't, in fact, defend anything. I mean, we're at the point now that we have to defend the ladies' bathroom. How ridiculous is that? We're at the point now where we have the same people telling us that we have to trust the science, but then in the other moment, they're telling us that they can't determine if they're a boy or a girl. I mean, just how ridiculous does it have to get to be before somebody says enough already and not even just say enough already, just act on that. Yeah, that's nice, sir, but no, I don't agree with you. Oh, that that's all well and good that your pronouns are this, that, or the other thing, but I'll call you by your first name, whatever that may be, even if that's confused, but I'll respect your first name. So that's not, that's not where we're at. So the idea is we have to fight clean, right? We have to put up a fight. We have to fight for every last inch, but we have to do it in such a way that's honorable, right? Does that sound reasonable? You got to fight clean. So this is the challenge. We know, and we see all day, every day that the other side doesn't care about fighting clean. The other side has very little compunction about literally making stuff up by doing things that they would scream bloody murder. If you were to do one tenth of that in reverse, because they live under the when it all costs motto, right? So if you're fighting clean, you can attack policies all day long. You can attack actions all day long. You should leave family out of it. You should leave kids out of it. Now, adult children that hmm, carry on your name and your business interests, uh, that's a little bit different story. I mean, the former president had that and the current president does. The previous president, uh, Mr. O, his kids were still minors. You don't touch that. Likewise, even in a local race, you don't go after somebody's kid. Even if they're an adult kid, but they're largely not involved and they live in a different town, that's kind of hands off, dudes and dudettes for that matter. Yeah, that's that's fighting clean. You don't go after that. Now, if somebody's campaigning with their spouse, if somebody's campaigning with their best friend and they're up to no good or they have nefarious intent and you want to bring that up, yeah, you can do that. I think that's legit if they're campaigning together. You know, a former president uh, campaigned on the concept that we were getting a two-for-one deal, right? He and the smartest woman in the world at the time were going to be our co-presidents. Well, yeah, definitely. Open season. But just because you've got a, I don't know, another local official that is elected who, quite frankly, uses his spouse from time to time as both a shield and an avatar. You don't go after that person. You can go after something he said. 
maybe something they do, but you you don't cross the line. You don't smear. You don't. Again, you got to fight clean. You got to keep it on the up and up. You have to be able to look at yourself in the mirror at night. And if you don't have that problem, you need to consider what would your mother think about what you're doing. And if that doesn't work for you, what would your priest or pastor say about what you're doing? And, you know, we have several members of the local school board, and I wonder what is it that uh, their pastor would think if they were to tell them the things that they're advocating. I would be even more concerned if their pastor had no issue with it, but that's another story. So again, this directly flows into the concept of truth first. So when I see advertisements, when I see anything put out by any campaign or one, not even just the campaign, but a, an issue oriented program. My first thing is, is this the truth? I mean, is, and I, I understand it's, you know, you look at a guy's resume or a lady's uh, CV, I guess that's the proper term these days. You, you know, they kind of fluff it, right? They put it in the best possible light. So it's not really a lie, but it, but it, it's the best possible light. So you, you give them a little grace if you're reading this. Likewise, if you see a flyer or a campaign announcement or a advocacy group rolling something out, if it's plausible that it's a truthful statement, you got to give them a little grace because they're, they're coloring it to give the most effective message. But when you look at something and it's an outright lie, that's a problem. When you look at something and while there may be some factual elements to the statement or the paragraph, but the message is completely opposite of what actually happened, that's a lie. It needs to be called out. It needs to be brought to the attention of the general public. Now, that's something that I would like to do in several instances. Unfortunately for myself and for you listeners, I currently have my hands tied. I'm going to be moderating a couple of events and at least one of those events, perhaps even two of them, it is potentially an issue. And as a moderator, I'm supposed to be fair and even handed to all of the candidates. So the truth be told, I don't love it, but it's my job. So I'm going to set that aside. I'm going to not touch it. I'm not going to name names. I'm not going to point in directions. I'm not going to even hint at it as beyond what I've already said. That is not my job. The other candidates need to handle that. The opposing camps need to handle that. The, the candidate or candidates that have put out the misleading information, they need to be honest. I can't make them do that. I'm not going to try and make them do it. I'm not going to do a gotcha interview with them. I'm going to moderate a discussion and a debate. If somebody should ask a question that I'm putting my hands, then I will honor that as well. But that is not the issue. As a matter of fact, the sponsors hopefully will put in guidelines and rules to where I can have that as a fallback, if nothing else. But the truth should always be first. We should always, 
always want the truth to be told. Sometimes the truth is painful. Sometimes the truth seems to be disheartening or seems to provide a setback. Let me give you an example. In the past, I've done things. Not necessarily proud of. Uh, not necessarily something I would advocate doing that. But when I ask directly, I give the honest answer. I say, yeah, that happened. This is how it happened. This is why, you know, this is what was going on. This is how it was dealt with. And I move on. Uh, that happened again uh, with a different situation that I'm actually not really embarrassed with. But I did find that it caused more trouble than it was worth. In fact, it was beginning to be used against people that I supported, that I respected. And for that reason, I made a decision to change the way I was doing something out of respect and out of concern that I was damaging my own witness, if you will. I mean, Paul counsels on that, you know, we shouldn't be a stumbling block to our fellow man. And I took that to heart and it took me a while to come to that conclusion. It took me a while to understand that's what was going on, even though in defense, my wife did pretty much tell me that a year earlier. Sometimes we think we know better, but we have to be open to listening to other people. Sometimes we have to be willing to step outside of our box or outside of the silo that we reside in and look at things from a different viewpoint. I like to think I do a better job at that now than I did two or three years ago. But it's always a work in progress. And it's frustrating when you see something and you know, oh my gosh, that's just bogus. That That's not even close to the truth. Or, you know, that one sentence out of the entire paragraph may be true. However, the remaining paragraph denotes a definite outcome that is not corresponding from what actually happened there. Yes, it's called a lie. It's untruthfulness. And again, it happens. It's, And this is where I was going with it. I drew the analogy of a CV or a resume, how you would fluff something up, how you put everything in the best possible light. Likewise, in a campaign, you do the same thing. Whether you're campaigning to, I don't know, get criminal justice reform or end abortion, you want to make your most compelling best argument. You want to make your reader or your viewer have a gut response, a desire to learn more, a desire to seek out change. That's understandable, but you don't lie. But yet it happens all too often. It's part of advertising. I mean, it's part of what we've grown up in. We almost accept everything that we see that's advertisement is not truthful. And there's a good section of our population has now also started to get the idea that everything that we see as news is in fact just propaganda. Oh, it may be badged a little differently. It might be packaged a little differently, but almost certainly what you're being told is not the truth. Indeed, I've always appreciated Neil Bortz's commentary on this subject. Just because I'm saying it doesn't mean I'm right. You should fact check 
You should look into everything. You should do the research of everything that I say or do, everything that my opponent says or does. Anything that you hear or see, you should do your own due diligence. In fact, I've echoed that on a number of occasions. I do my best to show up to this podcast and speak the truth as I understand it or as I know it. Unfortunately, there's something called objective truth, which does exist. And sometimes I'm not in complete alignment with that. And sometimes I make mistakes. And sometimes I don't give all the complete information and it leaves a gap. Now, I make a practice of never intentionally coming out and saying something that I know to be false. I make a practice of never... How do I want to say this? Coloring things in such a way as to where you would lead yourself to a conclusion that I know to be false. Which is to say I don't lie. I don't manipulate. I try and tell the thing or explain the situation the best that I can in a most even-handed way that I can. And I will only say that The things that I choose to talk about are the things that I find important. The things that I choose to elaborate on are the things that I find of interest. So yes, I am somewhat biased. I don't want to talk about the price of, oh, I don't know, toilet paper in a grocery store. And I don't want to go talk about ginger tea versus ginger lemon tea. I mean, And those are valid subjects for somebody else, perhaps, but that's not something that drives my interest. Now, I could choose to talk about fiat currency and why the American dollar is being set up for failure and whatever else, but I suspect the vast majority of people that would ever take the time to stop and listen to anything that I have to say, one, don't care about it, or two, don't think I know enough about it, which is not entirely inaccurate, or three, would much rather listen to somebody who is far more versed and, quite frankly, more entertaining on that specific issue. And I can name three of them off the top of my head. If I was so inclined, I will just say Dr. Ron Paul, Dr. Tom Woods, and, oh, I can't think of the other guy's name, but I'm I'm sure you can find your podcast host or talking head or whatever else that could be both more entertaining and more qualified to talk about that issue specifically. So I tend to stick to things that I feel comfortable just talking about that I feel comfortable, let's say, uh, playing with, right? So for me, I try to put a local tint or a local tilt, if you will, to everything I talk about, but I like politics. I like history. I like government. The social sciences were my uh, major, um, but I also am very interested in, you know, human interaction and the way things are done around local government and the interactions between different groups of people. I find that all all interesting, and I, but I want to try and talk about it at a higher level. I want to try and talk about it from the outside looking in so that you as an individual who's taken the time to invest 20, 30 minutes in one of my shows and understands from my perspective what's happening there. So that's why I do my best to speak the truth as I see it, as I know it, knowing full well that I don't know all the truth about everything. And I expect that I'm re-encouraging you to understand that as well and re-encouraging you to take the effort to look up or discover 
the additional information that I may or may not have or that, quite frankly, I can't know. I guess the the fifth thing I want to touch in that is also directly related to this is the idea of principle over party. Now, I've referenced Chris Ann Hall on more than one occasion. Um, she is one of the few or half dozen podcasts that I still take time out to listen to as much as possible. One, because she's a heck of a constitutional educator. And two, because between her and her husband, they have some very insightful views of things. And it's good to kind of keep myself in check, right? So her tagline includes the phrase, principle over party. And one of the things that I felt that I always brought to the table is, even as a member of the Republican Party, when I was a precinct chair, when I was running for office, when I was involved with different committees, I always put my principles, or for that matter, the party's principles, first and foremost. Now, I understand the theory that it's monetarily beneficial to string out correcting certain things. I understand why it's helpful for the party to not get everything done in a single session. I, I do. But now you're putting the party over the principle. So if something's right and you have the means to do the right thing about that, you need to do it. And if you don't have that means because somebody on your team is purposely causing a problem, you out that person. You know, the term thrown under the bus comes to mind. So when you have, well, I don't know, Speaker of the House who does his best work undermining the very party that he seem or says he's working for. He seems to undermine the principles that that party espouses. That's the guy that needs to go. And we've done it twice. And this last guy, Phelan, according to some of our own state reps here in town, was very even-handed and basically said, you have a majority. Do it if you can. Now, I understand the hands-off approach. I really do. And I, I actually, if it was that way across the board, I would be appreciative of that. But we're so long into this game. We're, we're so far in such peril that we're standing on the precipice of losing the state of Texas, losing the country. I would prefer that the Speaker of the House would put a little more skin in the game, that he would more openly advocate for those issues that are supposedly important to the party, the very principles that make up our platform, the very things that we went to the trouble of indicating were legislative priorities, and the fact that we only got half of them passed in some shape or form is disappointing. And the fact that We had to have two special sessions just to get a few things done is also disappointing. Now, perhaps we might get yet another special session and we might get yet another thing done. Again, it's just disappointing. It's disconcerting. What are you doing? Do our party platforms, do the principles espoused by our party, do the priorities desired by the people that put you in office even matter? Based upon what I'm seeing, I don't think they do. And again, you have to put the principles over party at some point. Now, you can have the best elected official in the state 
Um, I can feel somewhat confident in saying that at least one of the members of the Collin County delegation maybe makes the top 10. But is that good enough? Can we not do better? Why do we continuously have to accept that which we're given? Now, the problem is, is we accept it long enough and then we get challenges that, quite frankly, aren't up to the task. They're not up to the challenge. And it becomes a distraction from the other things that are perhaps more important. You know, if you have an open seat, you want your best people running for that. And when your best people run for it, you get a good race. When you have a seat that's been held for a decade and the person that's there is less than exciting and you run a challenger at that person and that person's not up to the task, are they really doing any good? I mean, yeah, I understand the idea that we're doing this on principle and that guy's not good enough and we're going to run. But I mean, if you can't even make a reasonable showing, if you can't even make a dent in it, aren't you just strengthening that guy for the next time around? Aren't you just teaching them that, well, they don't really need the party. They don't really need these, you know, precinct chairs. You know, they're all a bunch of crazies anyway. We can ignore them. That's what we're teaching them. That's not a good idea. Principle over party goes so far as, yes, whenever possible. But sometimes you have to be politically savvy. Sometimes you have to understand that the way I get my principles protected and my principles done is I'm a little more savvy about it. You don't sacrifice the principles, but perhaps you step to the side and miss that blow. Perhaps you jump and clear that obstacle. Perhaps we have to think a little bit more flexible on how we approach things. But again, that's where we're at right now. And it's like that in the entire nation. There is nothing unique or special about what we're going to deal with in Texas or even Collin County in the next year or so. But we can make a difference. You have to show up. You have to know who your candidates are. You have to know what the issues are. And if you don't, if you don't want to know, if it's just too much work, then I have another idea for you. Just stay home. Don't go vote. I would rather have you not vote at all than make the wrong vote. Think about that for a second. You're ceding your authority to somebody else because you don't want to put in the effort. I dare say that's something that as a child I could never fathom. But as an adult, I kind of see where... Maybe it's in our best interest. If you don't know what you think, you don't know what is going on, I would just assume you just don't do anything. You keep your mouth shut and stay over on the sidelines. I will do everything I can to help you learn about the issues. I will do everything I can to help you get up to speed on what's going on. And I'll even take the trouble to discuss principles anytime, any place, so that you, as an individual, can be aware of what you think and why you think it. And that you can make an educated, articulate, 
decision. Even if it's not one that agrees with me, I'm okay with it. I would much rather know that you believe something and you know why you believe that than know that you're just a drone. Nobody wants that, least of all me. And as we wrap it up, we're going to circle back. <laughs> a little sake there. <laughs> the method matters. How you do things makes the difference. To win at all costs sucks your soul out. To just keep losing honorably leaves nothing left. We need to make sure that we're clean, we're truthful, and that we remember our principles. And with that, my friends, this is According to Callus. This is Monday. This was episode 168 because the method matters. I will see you on the other side.